when my body and my mind go into chaos, it's a reminder to me that God calls me to not fix myself, but to be still and allow him to do the work through the Holy Spirit and through other people in my life. Hey friends, welcome to the Hope and Help Project, the podcast that cultivates compassionate biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. I'm your host, Christine Chapel, and I'm so glad you're here to join in on today's conversation with author and speaker Laura Fleetwood. Laura personally battles against panic and anxiety, and her public ministry revolves around sharing the hope and help of Jesus Christ in the midst of her battles. Be sure to check out the show notes on this episode, featuring information about Laura's new video resource, which is designed to help walk and encourage anxiety sufferers through recovery. If this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to learn more about the Hope and Help Project by visiting faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. The link is posted in the show description, and by visiting that page, you can learn all about the mission of the podcast. Well, let's get to it. Laura, welcome to the show. Would you take a minute to introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me here. I am Laura Fleetwood, and I live in the St. Louis area. I'm a wife. I'm a mom of two tween teen girls, and I struggle with anxiety and panic. And I have for most of my life, although it didn't really get in the way of um, living my normal daily life until 2014 when I went through a stress-induced emotional and physical breakdown and had to face this topic head on. What I found during that season was that even though I felt alone, as I started sharing that there were so many other people who struggle with fear and anxiety in their life, and, and it becomes a stumbling block in a lot of ways. But I also found that there's great hope. There is great hope and there is great help and there is great freedom when we share our stories and when we invite Jesus to be in the midst of it. So that started this quest to seek the still in the middle of the chaos of my life. And I started a blog called seekingthestill.com. And now I have the privilege of, of being a faith speaker and an author and writing about this topic, sharing my own continuing struggle with anxiety. Um, and also, you know, being there to support other people who struggle with it as well. So I'm excited to be here and to shed some light on this topic and also share a lot of hope. And I think that's exactly what I've seen you do through your ministry, through your writing and through your speaking engagements, is just a real down-to-earth approach to this is what it looks like. So this is what it looks like in all of its messiness to struggle with anxiety and with panic. And I'm just so thankful that there are people like you who are brave to, to kind of peel back the layers on that struggle because it is common. It's a lot more common than we think. And so giving it a voice so that others can find hope that it's, you know, doesn't have to be the end of us when we struggle in these types of ways, I think this is so valuable. So I'm thankful for you for doing that. I wanted to ask you, because not everyone is familiar with panic and anxiety in terms of the manifestations it can sometimes take physically, but then also spiritually. Can you touch a little bit on what that looks like for you when you have a season of significant panic and anxiety? You know, what are some of the, the symptoms of that? Sure. So in my life, and this can be different for everybody, but I struggle with 
long periods of anxiety where there's just like this inner tension within me and I'm kind of hyper vigilant, like everything kind of seems like it's a threat, you know, so that causes me to worry a lot and to have tense muscles and to just be on guard, feel like Mm -hmm. I've got too much adrenaline or energy in my body. And sometimes something will kind of tip me over the edge, usually a physical symptom, and I'll have more of an anxiety attack or what some people might describe as a panic attack, where all of a sudden those feelings get intensified. And it's like, I like to describe it as, you know, if you saw a car barreling toward you and your mind starts racing with, how do I get out of this situation? And your heart starts pumping, beating really fast and get nauseous. And that's kind of an attack that I might get. And it can take a long time, either in a long, you know, a season of anxiety or with a panic attack for my body to calm down. The physical symptoms are real. That is really happening in your body. And that can be scary, particularly at first when you first begin to experience them or if you haven't experienced those symptoms for a while and they come back. My experience with a panic attack has usually included some sort of hyperventilation, some feeling that I'm suffocating or that the walls are closing in. It's a very strange sensation. And it's one of those things that you described it as a car coming on. And for me, I think when I've had these in the past, I would describe it, my experience of it is, you know, there's a huge tsunami coming over me. And sometimes we think we should just be able to say, well, don't be anxious and I'll just go away. But the problem is, is that once that attack gets started, there's no stopping it. You have to ride out the wave. And then once it's passed, you can look back and say, okay, what in the world just happened there? And that's where we can, you know, come to our friends or loved ones or our counselor and try to figure out what caused that, if, if I can even figure that out and what contributed to that attack. Now, can you talk a little bit for us about the trains of thoughts that you have when you sense yourself shifting from that season of you feel like you're doing good and you feel like you're, you know, you're full of faith in Christ and you're, you've conquered your anxiety and, you've, and you've, you're feeling really strong. And then all of a sudden, there's a season maybe that starts to come back where you're like, wait a minute, why am I starting to feel these things again? Can you talk a little bit how your, your train of thoughts change between those types of seasons? Have you noticed a difference? Absolutely. And it's funny that we're having this conversation now. It's actually divine timing because I'm in a season of that. About a month ago, I got sick and all of these symptoms of anxiety kind of came back on me. And at the beginning, I was super scared and I was having thoughts like, oh my gosh, I thought I had been well and now I'm not. And I was even doing things like going back through old emails when I was first diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, trying to find patterns about how I was feeling then and how I was feeling now as if I could somehow diagnose myself or like figure out why this was happening. I I tend to go into fix it mode and I immediately want to start Googling my symptoms to see if there's any new medication that's out that has come out and you know since I've struggled in the past because I just want the feelings to go away and what can happen to me in, in regard to my faith is that the physical symptoms become so overwhelming that I forget that God is in control just like he was last week when I was feeling well and it takes 
a lot of work for me to focus myself back to God instead of focusing inward on my anxiety symptoms. So that is something that I'm working on. And you talked about riding the wave through an anxiety attack. There's actually a quote by Charles uh, Spurgeon that talks about kissing the wave and this thought that when struggles come, that not only can we ride the wave, but we can literally kiss it and welcome it because God is going to meet us there. And I have not got to that point yet. <laughs> I've never <laughs> experienced a panic attack and said, thank you, God, for this panic attack. But I believe that there will be a day when that will happen for me and that where I can be so just in tune with, because I'm still learning, you know, in tune with, with my body and um, with the Holy Spirit. That, that I will be able to, to do that. I believe that's possible. Well, how have you previously navigated your recovery process? Can you talk a little bit about, um, or even now, how are you navigating your recovery now? You know, you said you recently have found yourself kind of dipping back into a season of feeling, you know, these overwhelming emotion or not emotional, but physical symptoms. Um, what are the types of things that you're doing to address, you know, not only the physical symptoms, but, you know, some of the spiritual, the spiritual things that are going on, the spiritual aspects of the, the panic and anxiety. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So I have an acronym that I use and it's TWIRL, T-W-I-R-L, because when we get anxiety, our body and our mind and our spirit, it wants to either flee, it wants to freeze, or it wants to fight, right? So you kind of have this fight, flight, or freeze. And I found what works for me is to instead of thinking about either all of those things is to twirl my way through it, twirling you know, spinning around like I don't have a care in the world. And so what I do is T, I tell my team. Now, I am fortunate today because of my past experiences, I have built my own team. And my team uh, consists of my pastor, of my psychiatrist. I have a counselor that I see. I have friends and family that know that they're on my team. So the very first thing I do is I tell the owner of my team who is Jesus. So try to remember, tell my team, go to Jesus first, tell him what's going on, and then tell the rest of my team. And then W is walk out the next right thing. Literally, it helps me to walk and talk to God out loud. So um, I walk. And, and in addition to physically walking, I walk out the next right thing. So I just remind myself, don't get overwhelmed about what tomorrow's going to look like or a week from now is going to look like just do the next right thing and some days that is literally force myself to get out of bed and go cook breakfast for my family whatever the next thing is because we're called to just do one thing at a time and when you're in a season of overwhelm because anxiety is just like this huge overwhelming physical mental um, you know emotional experience it can help to break life down and to just do the next thing so that's walk out the next right thing. I is indulge in the things of God. So I have learned over the course of my life what things from God bring me immense joy. And it's music, it's singing, it is being in his word. Certain authors speak to my spirit. And so I indulge in those things. You know, indulging is like when you just, you can't get enough of it and you allow yourself to just consume it. And so I I do that, um, and that helps me. R is for rest. I tend to go into overdrive mode in my life and want to do all the things and be all the things, and 
a season of anxiety reminds me that my body needs rest and my mind needs rest and my spirit needs to rest in God. And then L is leave the outcome to God. That is one of the hardest things to do because we want to fix ourselves. We want a quick fix, but really anything we do, we show up, we do the next right thing, we rest, and then we have to leave the outcome to God because he is the only one who has control over that. So twirling is my way of breaking it down and helping myself remember what works for me. Tell my team, walk out the next right thing, indulge in the things of God, rest, and leave the outcome to God. That is so practical. That is, I think just all of those points there are, are real tangible things that we can do when we start to feel these this way. And even if you're not someone who, you know, struggles necessarily with getting panic attacks, but just in general, you're a worrier, you know, you are going to sleep at night and your mind just starts racing and you just cannot even sit still. <laughs> you got to get out of bed and start pacing up and down. For anyone who, who battles with worry or anxiety, that acronym is really just so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Now, I want to ask, what can you tell our listeners has given you the most courage to press on towards recovery when you're feeling defeated? Because that is something that can be very discouraging, especially for those who are struggling with the same battles over and over and over again. And so can you talk a little bit, bit about where you draw courage from or, or how you approach that when you're, you're feeling defeated? I think a lot of it for me stems from the fact that I have kids and I, I know my girls are watching me go through this process. And as they watch me, they're learning from me. And so it's, it's very important for them to see me not giving up and to see that I'm reaching out for help because they will have troubles in their life. They will, whether it's with anxiety or something else. And um, they are a big motivator for me. Also, the fact that I share openly about my anxiety um, is a great source of courage because I tend to share when I'm, when I'm going through something, I'll post about it on Instagram or I'll post about it on Facebook and invite people into it with me. And so they encourage me and they support me and, and I get all kinds of, you know, little email messages and Facebook messages. And it just helps me remind me that I'm not alone. And I think that's so important for people to, to just grasp onto. Jesus is with you. People are with you. And that gives us the courage to just do the next thing. It's hard. Like in the past few weeks, I have had days where I was convinced that um, I wasn't going to get better and that I was going to feel this way for the rest of my life. And it's easy to get discouraged. And that's why I think being diligent about twirling and allowing yourself to do things even when you don't feel well is important um, too. I was supposed to give a message to a group of high school students in the thick of when I was having anxiety attacks a few weeks ago and everything in me wanted to not go, wanted to back out at the last minute. And I just felt God saying, no, you show up as a mess. I hadn't slept. I had, my hair was a mess and I looked awful, but I showed up. And even though I was feeling horrible, I was still able to share about Jesus with them. And doing things like that, even when you're anxious, is what allows you to know that God is in control and that your life doesn't have to stop 
and that he will give you strength to just get through whatever the next thing is that you have to get through. It's just so encouraging that, you know, you were able to, to lean into God in that, in that time to speak to those kids. It just reminds me that we have this treasure of Christ and of the gospel in jars of clay. God did not give us the treasure of Jesus Christ and the gospel to share with the world in some sort of Fort Knox style box. No, we're jars of clay. We're fragile, you know, and, and the only way that any of this stuff gets done is because of God's strength and God's power through us, not because we're some fortified version of, of a human being. Is we're, at, we're the opposite. <laughs> we're yeah. the total opposite. Let me ask you this. I think this is really important, especially when it comes to panic and anxiety, because like you said, the, the physical symptoms can be very overwhelming. So overwhelming, in fact, that it can be tempting for us to just focus on all the physical symptoms. And, and like you said, you know, trying to just get those to go away, that we can be tempted to neglect, you know, some of the spiritual things going on um, that may be playing a contributing factor to what is going on with our panic and anxiety. And so I want to ask you, what has God's word ministered to you as you have sought to heal in the area of, of panic and anxiety? Is there a particular verse that has convicted you or challenged you to make adjustments in your thinking process during these times? Absolutely. So my life verse is Psalm 4610, which is be still and know that I am God. And I cling to that verse because if you go and you read the whole chapter of Psalm 46, the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God, not in this beautiful setting where, you know, the sun is shining and the flowers are there and you can just be still sitting on a hammock. No, if you read that chapter, the mountains are falling into the sea and the earth is quaking. And, and in, in the midst of that chaos, in the middle of that, he says, be still and know that I am God. So when my body and my mind go into chaos, it's a reminder to me that God calls me to not fix myself, but to be still and allow him to do the work through the Holy Spirit and through other people in my life. And literally, I will pray to myself, God, in this moment, help me to be still and trust in you. And I will say that to myself over and over and over. In this moment, help me to be still and trust in you. In this moment, because I'll immediately start thinking about, you know, when's it going to be over? When's it going to be over? And it's like, no, he promises in this moment that he can help us um, to be still. And that is the opposite of who I naturally am. I am naturally a fixer and want to be dealing with things and, and solving problems and avoid pain at all costs. So it's challenging, but I literally had the words be still tattooed on my wrist with a cross so that it's always with me. And it's a reminder to me that I'm not my own rescuer. We, can, we, are, we cannot rescue ourselves. Jesus rescues us, and he rescues us through all kinds of ways, through medical doctors and through um, his word and through people in our lives and through the Holy Spirit's work within us and, you know, retraining our thought process, all kinds of ways, but it's all him. He does the work. And I have seen that over and over and over again in this season of my life. 
Looking back at the various ups and downs that you've had over the last five years or so, can you name, now that you've had some perspective, I mean, obviously you're right in the middle of, you know, of a season of anxiety right now, but looking back, can you name one redemptive benefit? So one area of growth in your faith that you have seen or observed as a result of walking through these seasons? Are you, do you have that type of distance from it at this point? Maybe not with what you're learning now, but what you have gone through in the past, would you be able to, to put your finger on a particular benefit or, or a way that God has grown your faith as a result? I, I think the word trust comes to mind and faithfulness, that God is faithful to his promises, not necessarily in the way that we want his promises to be answered, right? But that as scripture says, he works the good in all things. And looking back um, on the past five years, I can see that. I never wanted to write and speak about anxiety. That was not in my plan. That was not even on my radar at all. And yet he used this brokenness of mine to be able to better equip my family and my girls and now to be able to to help other people as well. So it's it's true as much as it can hurt when somebody says that to you when you're in the midst of your struggle that God is working the good in all because you you just can't see it yet. When you look back, you absolutely see that it's true and that he is faithful and that he doesn't waste anything. All of the pain that we feel, it's not wasted. That has been an important lesson to me and something to cling to when I go back into the valley is that he's been faithful in the past. He's got me through it in the past and he will do it again. Probably not in the same way. You know, this will be different, but regardless, he is faithful. I remember a few years ago when I was being counseled by Jim Neuheiser, who will actually be a guest on the show. He is the executive director at the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship in Escondido, California. He reminded me one time when I was feeling very despondent and just low and very discouraged. He asked me, and I'll never forget, he asked me, I know you're feeling this way right now, but has God ever left you that way? And it really forced me to say, no. <laughs> I had to think about it. No, he hasn't left me that way. No, I haven't felt this exact despair for two years, three years, four years, five years straight. It comes and we hang out there for a bit and then it goes. And every time he lifts, lifts me up. And so just again, what you were saying about relying on remembering God's faithfulness is such a key component, I think, growing and maturing in our faith. And you see it over and over again in the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament. You know, Moses telling the Israelites over and over again, remember, this is the God who has freed you. You are no longer slaves. Remember where you have come from. Remember where you are going. Remember whose you are. Um, The book book of Deuteronomy is, you know, sermon after sermon of him telling the Israelites to remember. And you know what? I, I like to ask people to write down, like when they've gotten through the valley, to write a letter to themselves about how God got them through that and how they're feeling now that they're through that and the lessons that they've learned. Go back in a valley. They can read that letter that they wrote to themselves that that is their words, you know, um, because it's so easy when you're in a bleak place to forget, to forget 
what God has done. And um, so that can be helpful for people too. Before we close out our time together today, I want to ask you to do one more thing for us. There's probably someone out there listening today who struggles in many of the same ways that we've been talking about. What would you say to that person to encourage them to take their next steps in the recovery process? Uh, what, what would you have to say to someone who's, who's struggling with panic and anxiety and, and they're listening to this show? Okay, so I'm imagining that I'm sitting across from you right now, and I'm looking you in the eyes, and my eyes are full of love and compassion for you because I get it. I know how painful it is, how awful the physical symptoms are, how crazy you feel in your mind. I want you to know that somebody else gets it, that there are other people who are right there with you, and that there is also great hope. I want to remind you that your journey will not look like anyone else's journey, because God is going to get you through this valley in your own unique way. And I want to tell you to be on the lookout for small miracles, little things, little, little just encouragements that God is sending you along the way, because he is, and those are the things that we cling to. I want to let you know that there is so much in store for you, that this is a season. You don't know how long it's going to last, but it is going to end. And that God is going to open your eyes to people who can help you. I want to let you know that you are loved. You are so loved. And that even though you feel like a burden right now to your family, and even though you feel ashamed because you think that you shouldn't be struggling this way, that God does not see you that way. And that the people in your life love you. They just don't understand you. They, um, it's hard to you to explain to them exactly what you're going through and that's okay too so I just want to let you know that there's so many of us and we are messy miracles I gave us that nickname because um, I want you to remember that it's okay to be a mess you're human you're broken but you're a miracle too you have Christ living inside of you and that is more than enough to get you through this season it is going to happen you just need to be still. Those are some very encouraging words, Laura. I always feel so, ah, so relaxed whenever I get to listen to you talk because you have just a voice that just is such a blessing and speaks so much refreshment uh, you know, to people. So thank you so much for doing that. Will you tell listeners where they can find you online? And we'll also put these links up on the show notes as well. Sure. So seekingthestill.com is where you can find all of the articles that I've written in the past. I'm also on Instagram pretty regularly at Seeking the Still, and I do Instagram stories. That's where you'll see um, me doing stories about being in the midst of, of my anxiety. So I invite you to, to come along and join me there, Seeking the Still, Seek the Still on Facebook. And hopefully by the time this podcast is out, all in God's timing, depending on how this journey goes, um, I'm going to have a free video on seekingthestill.com that you can download that goes through that five-step twirl process so that whenever you are stuck, whenever you are in the middle of a struggle in your life, you can have that video that will remind you how to twirl yourself through whatever it is that um, 
that you're dealing with. So I would love nothing more than for you to join me in those spaces and to be able to walk alongside of you in your journey. That's awesome. Yeah, Laura, once that video is ready, I can definitely be sure that it's posted on the show notes as well. So even if you are listening to this episode, you know, months or years from now, uh, we'll have that resource available on the website. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you left a review for this show on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe to be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help Project a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. One more thing, if you're looking for gospel hope and help for life's challenging problems, visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash email. I send my email subscribers weekly biblical counseling resources on rotating topics. From videos, audios, articles, and recommended reading, these emails are designed to equip you to discover gospel hope and help in your own life. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help Project.